Welcome to the Stolen Reality Podcast. This is where you belong. Alright everybody, welcome to the Stolen Reality Podcast. It is Wednesday, which means it's time for another episode. Doing a little bit of a deep dive into an interesting topic. Before we get rolling today, like always, I'd like to say if you're enjoying the show, the biggest thing that I can ask of you right now is just spreading the word, letting your friends know, getting that listener base up. I greatly appreciate all of your guys' support, and I can't ask anything more of you than that at this point. I really appreciate everybody who's been listening from day one. We're a couple months into it. Show's getting bigger and better all the time. If you want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys know that you can always go to stolenreality.com and go underneath the contacts page and you can reach out to me through there. You can also email me directly at luke at stolenreality.com. If you have any ideas for episodes, you want to tell me what you guys think about any episodes or about the show in general, or if you or somebody you know would like to be on the show, you think that uh, you know a good guest for this, this show, please reach out to me. I now have the setup to be able to do interviews uh, which i'm very very excited about in fact while you guys are listening to this today i'm actually doing an interview with an upcoming guest for next week super excited about that you guys will have that next wednesday and i got a lot more guests lined up so feel free to reach out to me any way you'd like to you can also go on to the spotify app and there's the q a at the bottom of each episode so you can always answer those as well all right so let's get into today's episode So today we're going to take a little bit different route than you guys are used to in my show. We're getting into a little bit of the true crime mystery territory. Now this isn't a true crime podcast, don't usually do too much of this, but this one's kind of right up our alley as you will see as we go forward. So today we're going to be talking about the very mysterious death of Aaron Valenti. So Aaron Valenti was a 33-year-old Utah resident who started Tinker. Tinker Ventures is a company, and on their website, they say, we design and develop badass applications for iOS, Android, and the web. Aaron was doing really, really well in the tech industry, and she had won numerous awards and had accolades all over the internet you'll find when you look up her name about helping women in the world of business. According to her profile on the Tinker website, Before starting Tinker, Erin had a lot of different ideas. She started working as a venture capital investor and directly led investments in the communication and fintech sectors at Summit Partners, a $20 billion fund. There, she managed a team of associates and assisted with an IPO and two M&A transactions. After leaving Summit Partners, Erin was ready to start a venture of her own, and that's when she started Skycrane, which is a springboard accelerator portfolio company and a work-for-hire marketplace. Her new experience made her realize that the troubles of underdog entrepreneurs and inspired her to create SLC Tech Startups, a professional networking group in Utah where she actively organized events to provide opportunities to learn, create, and connect. After her successful exit from Skycrane, she joined Overstock.com as the head of product development and oversaw a team of 250 engineers. She also helped in forming the internal corporate venture capital group of Overstock, which is now called Medici Ventures, by leading the first five investments in blockchain companies. Recently, before she died, she also focused on developing training programs for software and product development and launching web content series on innovative creativity. At Tinker, she had a global team that consisted of 120 employees across Salt Lake City and Lahore, Pakistan. 
Tinker had built more than 700 products, including mobile apps, SAAS apps, tech-enabled marketplaces, and consumer websites while working for renowned startups and Fortune 500 companies. So obviously, Erin was doing very, very well for herself. She was high up in the game of the tech industry, and she was very big on helping others be the same and do the same, especially for women entrepreneurs. So in October of 2019... Aaron went to a summit of workshops called Create Powerful in the beach town of Laguna Niguel in California. These workshops are just kind of what all these big corporations send their employees to where they all kind of get together and inspire each other and shoot across ideas and network with each other. They say it's kind of like a big Tony Robbins seminar for business owners. The three days that she spent at the seminar were full of lectures, partner work, and time alone spent journaling. And Rafferty, who's the man who organized the whole thing, said that Aaron had been bouncing from guest to guest and at sunset dinner and on the hotel lawn and was just kind of having a great time and everything was normal. And the workshop had renewed her interest in hiring a local team. So it sounded like it was going really well for her. And then on the morning of October 3rd, Valenti flew into the Bay Area for a second tech gathering for that week, which is a two-day conference in Monterey for the founders and tech investors to network and learn from each other. While she was there in the Bay Area, she met with a bunch of old business partners and acquaintances and had a bunch of brunches and dinners. And according to her father, according to their credit card statements, she also went shopping where she spent several hundreds of dollars on vinyl records, even though she didn't own a turntable. Which sounds innocent enough, but by the end of this, you're going to see that everything out of the ordinary might add up to something because things get strange here. On Sunday, she had dinner with... J.J. Cardwell in Palo Alto, who was her first boss at Summit Partners. He said that she was very excited about the workshop and it had really helped her when, you know, get over her uh, struggles that she was having in the business. He said that she cared deeply about Tinker and it mattered a lot to her identity. And then on Monday afternoon, the last person to probably see her alive was Dean Jacobson, who is a former manager of hers over at Summit Partners. He says that she was vibrant and uniquely talented and that she was just having a great time as well. So everything up until that point on Monday afternoon seemed just normal and kosher. And then things take a turn. So depending on where I look on these reports, and I'm going to find this a lot because there is a lot of different reports about this um, event that happened, but depending on where I look, I get a little bit inf different information about what happens right now. So either her mother got a phone call while she was at her anniversary dinner with her husband, with Aaron's father, or she was at home in New York with her son, Chris. But either way, she got a phone call from Aaron, and Aaron seemed to be freaking out and saying that she couldn't find her rental car. She seemed very erratic and upset, so she was supposed to be going back to the airport and being able to head back home that day, but she was having trouble finding her rental car, and she would go back and forth between being kind of manic to then just speaking normally and saying things about visiting for Thanksgiving. And then she said the kicker. She said, it's all a game. It's a thought experiment. We're in the matrix. I'm going to miss my flight. And then she went back to just talking about normal stuff. And then she said, are you in on it? Now, again, depending on where I look, 
the events seem to kind of get skewed. So I'm going to give you what I've kind of gathered about it. But when you guys look through all these articles that I show you, some of the little timelines and things are going to be a little bit different. But from what I understand, she had left a friend's house and was trying to head to the airport. But she couldn't find her car, which is when she called her mother. This is when she started acting sporadic and saying that it's a game, it's a thought experiment, we're in the Matrix. From there, it seems that she had found her car and started heading to the airport. Over that next hour, from what I can find, her mother and her father and her son all kept in communication with her where they would call her back and they would talk to her and she kept acting sporadic and then she would hang up and then they would give her a little bit of time. They would call back and this kind of continued back and forth for a couple hours and I couldn't really find any more transcripts of what she said but the big kicker is that thought experiment and that matrix thing she started leading back to that everything's just this big fake false reality that we're in after talking to her on and off like this for a while it started going to voicemail and they couldn't get a hold of her and this is when her father called the cops and told them that there was something up and they need they needed help with their daughter so the police actually reached out and got in contact with aaron but aaron told them that everything was fine and because of that, and because she was an adult, they weren't able to do anything about it. They could, they could only say that she had voluntarily left. And so they can't go hunt somebody down when you're an adult and you say everything is fine and there's no crimes being committed. So they kind of had to take a step back. After that, Aaron never showed up at home at the airport. So the search party began. Her husband flew out the next morning to go look for her, and her parents followed a couple days later. They hired a private investigator, and people who didn't know Valenti posted her photo all over Facebook groups and for hikers in the Bay Area to keep a lookout for her in case they had seen her out on a trail. A friend even enlisted the help of a drone hobbyist who offered to fly over the areas where Valenti's phone had last been pinged on cell phone towers. So on Saturday, five days later, five days after Valenti went missing, a friend in the search party found her rental car on a quiet residential street minutes from San Jose International Airport. Valenti was found in the back seat dead, and it seemed that she had been dead for about five days. Her rental car had been out of gasoline, and as far as I know, every time I've rented a uh, rental car, they come with a full tank of gas. So what it seems is that something happened between that phone call to her parents saying that it's a thought experiment and we're in the matrix and her ending up on the side of the street where she had driven around enough to use up all the gas in her car and not stop to get gas and had pulled over on the side of the road and died in the back of her car somehow. So that is strange enough, <laughs> but it just keeps getting weirder. So right off the bat, it was ruled that there was no foul play involved, but there also wasn't a real cause of death at first. They didn't really know what happened. She was just dead in the back seat, but there was no stab wounds or no strangulation or anything like that that you would expect from, you know, a murder scene. So of course, her family wanted answers and started digging into it and putting it all over the internet and it blew up in the news and it's been a mystery ever since. So the end, I hope that uh, maybe one of you guys can figure it out. And that's my episode for today. No, of course not. I found a lot of really strange stuff looking into this. 
So there's a ton of articles and websites and Reddit threads and podcasts about this event. And everybody has their own hot take about what had really happened to her and how this might have all went down. So, of course, on my show, I like to give you all the options that I possibly can. So I'm going to go over a couple of the things that I found kind of strange. And then we're going to go over all the different things that might have happened to her. So first of all, one of the things that may or may not be strange is that this happened in 2019 and they couldn't track her whereabouts for some reason. You know, they could track where her um, phone was pinged. Like I said, with the, the person who had used the drone, they could do that. But cell towers aren't super accurate. It's just within a region. So they know kind of where she was at in general, but they couldn't track her all the way because the rental car that she had didn't have any sort of GPS in it. Now, again, all the rental cars that I've ever picked up within the last decade always have some sort of GPS. It is just a smart move on the part of the rental car companies so they don't lose their vehicles and it's a very common thing nowadays so um, it's just kind of odd that that wasn't something that they could do now does that really mean anything necessarily no but if there is some foul play going on and we're going to get into that in the large part here in a moment um, and these people that may be involved with the foul play had the ability and the reach to be able to control things uh, there is maybe a chance that they made sure that she got a car without GPS involved in it. That's a bit of a stretch, but it is a strange finding. I heard that mentioned in another podcast, so I thought I would throw it in here. So first, let's talk about the official cause of death. So as of February 7th, 2020, 2020 so as of about you know a couple months later, they came back and said that the official cause of death was sudden death in the setting of an acute manic episode. But they didn't give any explanation about necessarily what that meant. It wasn't necessarily a heart attack or a stroke, you know, the things that they would notice in an autopsy. They just said that it was sudden death in the middle of a panic attack, essentially. So, that's the official story. Now, what the hell does that mean? Well, <laughs> that's, that's the question, isn't it? So, Valenti's mother says that she doesn't know how accurate that could be after her, you know, sitting in a car dead for five days in the heat and that things could have been degraded and she doesn't think that they'll ever get true answers about it. But looking into if people can die from things like panic attacks, it has it can happen from time to time. Um, it's very, very rare, but our minds and our bodies are very, very powerful and our minds control our bodies. In fact, I just did an episode on Monday about the um, hope test that was done on wild rats. And uh, if you listen to that, you know, you, you know the story that rats are put into these beakers of water and that after being given a little bit of hope, they actually survived much, much longer. So you can go back and listen to that if you want more of that story. But that test, and I'm going to do this as a bit episode on Friday so you guys will understand more what I'm talking about then, but that test wasn't set up as a hope experiment. That test was actually set up to understand voodoo cursed deaths and what the findings of that whole study was is that if somebody believes that they're going to die and panics enough they actually do die and they can kill themselves but what's very interesting about the findings is that you don't die from your heart having 
a heart attack essentially and having this overly adrenaline response where it pumps too hard and you freak out and then it just stops like a stroke or a heart attack style. It's actually the exact opposite. The heart will slow to a point where it just gives up and stops. And I'll go over more of that on Friday. But that does show that hopelessness essentially can kill somebody. And I think that's kind of what they're leading into here is that they're saying that she was so panicked and so freaked out that she just kind of died. Now, how the hell did she end up in the back seat of her car? Well, that's another big question that we don't really have an answer to at this point. They, I would imagine, would say that she just freaked out too much and probably crawled into the back seat. But that does lead a little bit into the um, fact that when she was talking to her parents, she was talking about all this craziness. And then when the cops called, she said everything was fine. Because if you thought people were out to get you um, and you were having this, this kind of bipolar, schizophrenic panic attack you wouldn't tell the cops where you were at because you would probably think that they were in on it. You know, she even had asked her mother and her brother, are you guys in on it? So obviously she was dealing with kind of a paranoia episode. Now, her husband happened to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist, one of the two, but he said that this was completely uncharacteristic for her. She had never dealt with mental problems like this before, and she had didn't have any problems with bipolar disorder or any clinical diagnosis diagnosis like that. So it was a, a one-off episode that happened. Now, speaking of strange things, her husband, which was his name is Harry Weinstein, I did find his name come up a lot of times in a lot of these threads and things that I was reading in. And they would say, you know, um, that he was very questionable and kind of a person of interest, but I never really understood why. So I'm not going to, you know, put any blame on him, her poor husband. I'm sure it was not easy for him. But just to put that out there, maybe somebody out there knows something about him that I couldn't find. But he claimed that this was completely uncharacteristic for her, and so did everybody else. So did her friends and family and coworkers. They didn't think that she you know, had this kind of mental problem that would lead to her panicking and freaking out and thinking the world was a hologram so much that she just collapsed in the back of a car and never woke up. But that is all of the the help that we get from the officials is that she just died of an acute manic episode. And that is it. That is all they will say about it. So of course that opens up the world of speculation. So let's go down all the different possibilities. And again, this is the world of speculation. I'm not claiming that any of these are right. I'm not claiming that any of these um, are what happened. All I can tell you is everything that I've found and the connections that I've found to everything and open up some possibilities. So don't uh, don't hold me to any of this. This is just what I was able to find and gather looking into this. Like I said, there's a lot of different theories and everybody's got their own hot take on this, including me. And I'll give you my own personal opinion at the end of this. So what are our options? Well, option one, of course, would be the official story that she just had too much pressure, she had too much going on. You know, being an entre entrepreneur is hard, but being an entrepreneur and the leader of a tech company and being involved in all these different organizations and all that can be extremely, extremely stressful. So the official story is that it was just too much and she just snapped for whatever reason. Now, that seems um, very tough to really wrap your head around when you when everybody that she saw and talked to over the following or the the days leading up to that all said that she was in great spirits and nothing was amiss but 
as we know, a lot of the times with people who are having difficult times, they're very good at hiding it. So the official story would be that she just kind of snapped and um, it killed her. So that is one option. Another option, and I heard this first from Theories of the Third Kind podcast, which, you know, I, I love those guys. So if you want more podcasts like mine, they're, they're a good group to listen to. But is that there was LSD involved. Now, when they did the toxicology report and they did the autopsy on Erin, there was no drugs or alcohol found in her system. And in fact, when she had called her, uh, I believe it was either her brother, I think it was her husband, one of the two. But one of the conversations they had, they said, have you been doing any drugs or drinking? And she said, no, absolutely not. And in the toxicology report, it came up that there was nothing in her system. But when you look into the panels that they run in toxicology reports, they can test for LSD but they rarely do unless there's a reason to do it. So it's not likely that they tested her for LSD. So this theory goes like this. A lot of um, entrepreneurs and big people in the tech industry love acid. They really, um, you know, people, I think Steve Jobs and just there's a huge handful of them talk about times that they had when they were younger taken hallucinogenics and specifically LSD and how it really broadened their mind and made them think differently about things. And they really kind of give credit to that for how successful they've been in the tech industry. So this idea goes that she went down to this big tech summit and she met all these people. And then at one of the dinners, or actually, I guess it would be the probably the breakfast or brunch of Monday, um, you know, they got together and some of them were like, hey, check this out. It really opened my mind. Steve Jobs liked it. All. And I think it was Steve Jobs. So if it wasn't him, don't uh, don't quote me on that. But, you know, all these big tech industry people have done this. Go ahead and try it. And she had never done anything like that before. She took it. She freaked out. Um, started thinking that she was in a computer hologram, called her parents, got lost trying to get to the airport because they found her car blocks away from the airport. So she was very close and again, out of gas. So where did she go? Or did she just drive around in circles looking for the airport because she was tripping balls and then eventually panicked so bad that she crawled into the back, curled up in a ball and just kind of gave out and died. So that's how that theory goes. And I don't think that that's that far-fetched, to be honest. I think that's a pretty plausible um, explanation. I have never heard of anybody dying from LSD before. But again, like I said, you can kind of kill yourself from from a lot of different uh, panic and a lot of different heartbreak and all these different things. Your mind is definitely powerful enough to do that. So it is a possibility. Okay, so I just looked this up real quick so that I'm not talking out of my ass. It was Steve Jobs, and he's quoted as saying, Taking LSD was a profound experience, one of the most important things in my life. LSD shows you that there's another side of the coin, and you can't remember it when it wears off, but you know it. It reinforced my senses of what was important, creating great things instead of making money, putting things back into the stream of history and of human consciousness as much as I could. So, if you were in the tech industry and one of your heroes is somebody like Steve Jobs and you're at this brunch or party or hotel party or whatever the hell you're at, and people are like, hey, you know, read this quote from Steve Jobs, drop some acid. It, there's a good chance that you might do it. Um, so that is a, a big possibility there. 
The next option, and I'm just going to briefly touch on this one because I don't think it holds a lot of weight, but apparently the area that she was in is very um, high in occult activity. And so there is a theory going around that this was some sort of occult ritual. Um, I don't, I mean, you could say that about anything, so I'm not really going to put a lot of stock into that unless we kind of lead it into this next theory. And this next theory is uh, something that I just kind of came up when I was thinking about the occult idea of things. And um, I, this is not my, you know, I said I would give you my personal theory on it. This is not my, my one that I think this is. But if we're going to go down the occult road, this is the only way it would make sense to me. Is that there's this idea that um, once people get successful enough and high enough up in music industry or business or anything like that, they kind of get uh, indoctrinated into these big secret societies and that they say, hey, we kind of run the world. You're doing really well. You want us, We want you to join us. Um, and then they either make them do horrible things um, or, or whatever, but they kind of join the club. That's the whole idea of the Illuminati and, and the Freemasons and all this stuff, right? And like I said, I'll do an episode about that at some point. But Maybe she was at these conventions. They were like, girl, you fucking rocking it. Come work for us. And then they kind of showed her the truth behind the veil and that everything is kind of a simulation. And it just blew her fucking mind. And it was too much for her. And she left and ran off. And um, then she either panicked to death or they were after her because she decided to say no to them. And they went and killed her. So that is a theory um, I'm again, that's not really the one I'm going with, but let's just cover all bases here. The next interesting finding is that she had worked for Overstock, as I said when I was reading her profile. Well, she worked underneath a CEO named Patrick Byron, and Patrick Byron um, is not the best guy, so he was the CEO all the way up into 2019 when um, she was killed. And from what I've found about him, there's a lot of controversy about him, even down to the fact of him um, working in kind of uh, political espionage. But what we know for sure about him is that he was really into shysty business practices like short selling his own stocks and all sorts of things that people didn't really agree with. And he had actually composed a list of people that he considered problematic investors due to short selling. And he would actually kind of go after each and every one of these people and publicly shame them and do everything that he could so that they couldn't be trusted. So he was a shysty dude. And then in addition to that, and trying to kind of just demolish people that he didn't like, it turned out that he was having an affair with a woman who turned out to be a Russian spy of all things. So after that came public in 2019, they decided to kind of kick him out. So Patrick Byron is obviously a pretty shysty dude. Well, he happened to be President Trump's like biggest um, and most prominent corporate allies during the final days of Trump's Oval Office. In fact, he's even now uh, being interviewed by the committee for the January 6th hearing. So, well, I guess not now. I think that's all done. But he was involved in all that. He was a very big Trump supporter. Well, when you go on to Aaron Valenti's uh, personal Twitter account, she was very, very much against Trump. So I'm not 
Again, these are all just speculation. I'm not putting the blame on anybody here. But when you have somebody who's willing to personally attack anybody who's against him, and he's one of Trump's biggest supporters, and you have somebody that he knows personally who is totally against his political ally, that might play a factor into it. So not making any accusations here. I'm not trying to trump up any trump up huh? any murder charges for anybody or anything like that. But that is an interesting coincidence. The next idea is that she worked for that giant hedge fund that managed $2 billion worth of assets. Now, as we know from hedge funds, I've talked about this uh, before. I talked about this in the Baltic Sea anomaly because the man who now runs the new Ocean X program is that uh, person who manages all his big hedge funds and who else do we have that managed big hedge funds other than our boy Mr. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein we know that those people get mixed up with a lot of different uh, people that may or may not be the best and especially you know when we go down the Jeffrey Epstein side of things we start to talk about people who are involved with human trafficking and children and things like that and that's actually going to play a big part here in just a second but just being in that world, you can create a lot of enemies. Now, I didn't find anything necessarily saying that she did, but we have to keep that in mind and into account. And that kind of leads into these next couple of ones. And these next couple of ones kind of all tie together here. And um, like I said, kind of, kind of tie in with that hedge fund management. So when we get into very, very rich people, we see time and time again that we start getting into the lands of human trafficking. So what does this have to do with Aaron Valenti? Well, Aaron Valenti seemed to be a very good person from everything that I could find. And according to her LinkedIn page, she was a volunteer for Not For Sale, which is an advocate for anti-human trafficking initiatives. And she participated in humanitarian missions in Uganda in 2008. And she was also part of an economic empowerment volunteer group called the International Rescue Committee, where she participated in mentoring refugee entrepreneurs. So when we have these big head fund, hedge funds that deal with people that are into disgusting things, and you're obviously outspokenly against these things, um, you might make a lot of enemies. And who was the last people that we know for sure saw her alive? Didn't talk to her on the phone, but saw her alive? The people from her hedge fund group, that Summit Partners, which is the professional investment. I keep calling it a hedge fund. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's an investment group where they use venture capital and private equity to fund a whole bunch of different things. And those last two people that she had lunch with were those people that are involved with that group, her old bosses who claim that she was in great spirits and stuff. But if there was somebody who was connected to things that wouldn't really want her going farther and talking about anything, um, they were they were close to her at that time. And if we talk about getting dosed by something or being stalked by somebody, uh, you know, they, they had a capability to do it. Again, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. I'm just giving you guys all the options here. So tying into that as well, I'm going to have to take a little bit of a road here. So one thing that I looked at when looking into this, I looked at if there was any other CEOs that had died in September of 2019. 
And it turns out she wasn't the only one. There was also a man named Tashar Etre who owned Ertnet, which is also located in Silicon Valley. And it was kind of another software engineering company just like hers where they made mobile apps and all sorts of things like that. And he was kidnapped from his house, beaten to death, and left in the back of his car. And that happened, I believe, the day before she went missing in the same area to another tech CEO. There was also a man named Mark Hurd, who was the CEO of Oracle. Now, he stepped away and said that he was kind of having health problems um, and ended up, you know, dying in bed peacefully, supposedly. But what I'm going to talk about here in a second, maybe that's not the case. It is. And that was also in Silicon Valley. So it's very interesting that multiple CEOs in the same area all died uh, of kind of mysterious deaths, except for that last one, we could say it might have been natural causes, but it was kind of unexpected from everything that I could find about it all at the same time. There was also another woman, and she actually wasn't a CEO, but her name was Rochelle Bergeron. Bergeron, probably? But she was killed the same day as Aaron Valenti. And Rochelle was an American who was 36 years old, and she was the attorney general of the island of Yap, which is part of the Federated States of Micronesia. And she was speaking to her constituency about how to recognize human traffickers and how to resist and stop them. She and her dog were killed on the same day. They were executed, and then she was put in the back of a flatbed truck and transported to the hospital dead. So what does this mean, and uh, what, what could be going on with all these CEOs getting murdered all of a sudden? Well, let me take you down a big conspiracy road real quick, and this is a lot of conjecture and a lot of conspiracy, so again, I'm just giving you the options that are out there. All of, when did all this happen? This happened in October of 2019. Well, what else happened in the beginning of October and November of 2019 and then hit the United States in the beginning of 2020? Well, COVID happened. So there is this theory that had been going around at the time that COVID was, you know, not that it wasn't a real thing, but it was being used. And the reason why we had such a big shutdown and stuff is because it was kind of this big smokescreen for what was actually going on. So there's this theory that there was massive closed door indictments of huge pedophilia rings. And I will do an episode about this at some point. But in the year 2019, over 1,300 CEOs of major global corporations and companies stepped down all of a sudden. So the theory is why this happened. I'm not talking about like little mom and pop shops. I'm talking about like big CEOs. 1,300 of them just dropped and walked away that year. And so the, the idea is that these closed-door indictments were getting handed out. And so essentially what a closed-door indictment is, it's part of the RICO Act. And the RICO Act is what they developed so that they could take down mobs, right, and uh, like organized crime. So if there's a mob boss who hasn't like personally killed anybody, but he sends his little goons out to do it all the time, you can't just go arrest one of them and start to put him on trial because then all of a sudden everybody scatters. So the RICO Act... Uh, created ways to get around that. And one of them was closed door indictments so that you can serve everybody with these papers saying that, hey, you are already arrested and you are already pretty much like on trial and convicted of this thing and get everybody all together at once and then do it all in one big bang so that nobody kind of flees. So this theory had been going around since 
right before COVID, actually, before COVID even hit, this theory came that these closed door indictments were being handed out to like 4,000 or a ton of very high level officials all over the world and that they were all going to be hit and taken down for these international pedophilia rings and sex trafficking, human trafficking rings all at once. Well, all these CEOs start stepping down. So the theory goes that they're getting hit by these things and their companies are like, hey, this is going to be bad for us. We need you to step down. And then all of a sudden, COVID comes and the whole world kind of gets shut down. And what's everybody focused on? They're not focusing on all these trials that are happening all over the place. And all these weird things happened around that too. Like the queen moving out of the palace, which is just unprecedented, saying it was for COVID concerns. Well, the family and the, the royal family was one of those families that supposedly was very much into these things. In fact, there's a whole story about how uh, Princess Diana knew about this with, um, I think, King Charles or whatever the hell his name is. And she was going public with it. And that's why she ended up not uh, making it too much longer. So these, and I'll, I'll do a whole episode about that at some point, but the idea is that all of these high level CEOs and stuff were getting hit with these charges for these disgusting things. And, um, you know, it, there was a huge cover up because these people literally, when you're talking about the Royal family and the CEOs of the biggest companies in the world own the media and own more things than you can even wrap your head around. So they have the power to shut down the economy and kind of smokescreen things. Now, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying that that is a theory. But it just so happens that at this exact same time, right when all this began, we have this little handful of CEOs of these tech companies getting one of them brutally murdered in the back of his car, one of them brutally murdered down in um, you know a different uh, country when she was talking out about human sex trafficking, and then this lady, Erin Valenti, getting maybe killed as well. And she was very outspoken and uh, against human trafficking. So if she was in this ring of people trying to stop this and she knew some names, there's a good chance that she uh, maybe was silenced for that. And now this last one um, is the one that I kind of like, and I, I shouldn't say like, I don't like this idea, but kind of ties everything together in the way my mind works the thing that ties the most things together kind of makes the most sense to me and it goes along these same lines so i found something pretty interesting about aaron valenti and like i like i've said throughout this episode she's worked with a ton of different tech industries and, and companies and things like that she had her hands in a little bit of everything she seemed like a very hard worker but one of the companies that she had been involved with was called CTRL Labs. Now, when I first saw that she was involved with these people, I saw that she had won a partnership with them at a women's tech council as winning an award. Well, when I go to the 2019 Women Tech Council and look at like their list of um, winners and everything. She is a winner, but she actually was supposed to go receive that award two days after she died. So she actually never received that award at all. She um, had been interviewed for it and had done really well. And when you look at Tinker's, Tinker, her, her company, Tinker, when you look at their Twitter page, 
the last thing that they have on there is a picture of her at this Women in Tech Awards. And it says, our CEO, Aaron Valenti, at the Women in Tech Awards interviews today. Such an inspiring group of women and judges. And that's August 23rd, 2019. And then when you look at the um, Women in Tech website and go back to 2019, you see that they had their like gave out their awards and announced their winners on October 9th and she was found on October 7th so she never went and won that award but she was up for it and uh well I mean she technically did win it she just won it uh post post uh mortem is that what it's called yeah she won it after she died unfortunately very sad but um anyway all that being said she did get involved with this CTRL company so even though I don't know exactly how she got involved with them, I do know that she was an investor with them or her company invested in them and she was closely connected to them. So who is CTRL? Here's where we get real interesting. So CTRL was founded by a man named Thomas Reardon, and he is one who invented Internet Explorer and partnered with Bill Gates and Microsoft and made a fortune. So... Bill Gates, as we know, was a big part of the whole um, conversation and the whole like world of the coronavirus. So just keep that in mind with everything that I just talked about with these closed door indictments. In fact, from, you know, when you go down the road of the people who believe in that, he's definitely a name on that list and also has ties with Jeffrey Epstein. In fact, didn't Bill Gates' wife just leave him because of his ties with Jeffrey Epstein? So we got the human trafficking and the child uh, disgustingness going on down that route. But anyway, this Thomas Reardon guy was very connected with Bill Gates. He, you know, was partnered with him. So he invented this company, CTRL Labs, and they do very interesting stuff. What they do is they create ways for your mind to interface with computers and they developed ways to be able to do that without doing surgery and putting things into your mind and instead being able to actually read your mind outside of bodies like outside of your body and connect with a computer so i've talked a whole bunch about brain machine interface um, and that we probably have that going on somewhere well um you know, and that we probably, you know, they say that we don't have the ability to do that, but somewhere in a lab, they probably are. Well, from what I'm finding about this CTRL labs place, it looks like they've kind of been on the forefront of that and have figured that out a little while ago. So Aaron Valenti, who was invested in these people and who was kind of working with them, wrote a um, publication wrote an article about CTR labs and this is what she says about them the future of brain machine interfaces is non-invasive instead of surgical implants CTRL labs use a state-of-the-art detection and machine learning to read your neurons from outside of the body the first step will be technology precisely picking up signals from inside your body to control devices outside of it with little more than the natural gestures 
The next step, and we are already closer than most people realize, will be reading the intention directly from your brain. CTRL Labs is pioneering something entirely new at the intersection of biology and code. He did this by assembling a rare cadre of scientists and technologists, PhDs in computational neuroscience, biomechanics paired with hackers and coders, experts in signal processing, machine learning, and human-computer interaction, and industrial designers. So what does this have to do with anything that she was partnered with these guys who are on the cutting edge of machine brain interface? Well, one of the things that Erin Valenti said when she called her family, when she said, we are all in the matrix, it's all a game, a thought experiment. She also said, mind control equals neuro control. So what does that mean? Well, it means that being able to have these neural network um control mechanisms that can control things like computers can also be used to control people. So how does that lead to her ending up in the back of her car? Well, let's just say, and again, this is all conjecture, guys. Don't uh, I don't necessarily believe any of this stuff. Nobody really knows what happened. But let's just say that this company, who is closely tied with Bill Gates, who is closely tied with this pandemic that happened and all you know forcing all these shutdowns and everything that may or may not have been to cover up a bunch of closed door indictments about all this human trafficking let's just say that all these things uh did happen and all tie together so she finds out that this company is using this technology for nefarious purposes one of the things that human trafficking leads to allegedly is people being used for forced labor labor um, it's also used obviously for sexual purposes um, especially for for children unfortunately but a big thing that happens in human trafficking is people being drugged it's usually with opiates or very strong um, things like like heroin because it keeps them kind of in a daze and they will do whatever they're told which is disgusting but um, that's that's something that we know does happen so what if Aaron found out that this brain mechanism and there's these brain machines that they were learning to build for people to be able to supposedly hook up with computers they learn to use the other way around where computers can control people's brains and can control their actions think of the power that disgusting people could have over other people if they were to use that and then you think about all the people that were connected with this ctrl labs and um, you can kind of draw some conclusions from there Another interesting thing that happened, like right before she died, I think it was like a week before, but right then, guess who bought CTRL Labs? Facebook. Facebook bought CTRL Labs. And if there's one evil company out there that everybody seems to not be able to get away from and still use, even though they get in trouble with all sorts of privacy things and, and bullshit all the time that people don't agree with, you know, they're, they're on that road. You know, everybody, there's even people talking about how Mark Zuckerberg is an alien and a lizard and stuff. Cause he's just kind of a fucking creep, but, um, it was acquired CTRL Labs was acquired by Facebook right then. So, and Facebook is a very, very, very powerful company. So again, maybe she found out that they were doing horrible things with this stuff 
And then uh, Facebook acquired it and was like, well, we're not going to have this bad publicity. We just got in trouble because they did just get in trouble at the time for already taking people's data and selling it and all sorts of stuff. So maybe we're going to silence this chick. So then what do they do? Well, they have the capability to be able to mess with people's minds and control their bodies. So they flip a switch on her they make her think that everything's freaking out and she's living in this matrix or they maybe they ask her you know maybe they they tell her hey test this this new thing out for us or something like that and then they use it on her and they use it in a bad way and she freaks out and ends up dying from it you know human trafficking is a huge problem obviously all over the world there's even an african chieftain who told an investigative reporter that the number one problem that his people have been facing is the disappearance of their children an african chieftain in the middle of nowhere and one of the ways that this happens is that charitable foundations are used um you know as a front to go scoop these poor children and people up because they can get into places and they have this very good face in the public eye so they can get away with a lot. Well, right in this same time when Aaron Valenti and all these other CEOs and stuff died, you know, I looked up CEOs that died in October of 2019. Well, I also started looking around the months around that. There was also a man named Bernard Tyson who died on November 11th of 2019, and he was the CEO of Kaiser Permanente, which is a nonprofit hospital and health insurance system that serves people in eight states and in the District of Columbia, where there's a whole bunch of bad things. You know, there's human trafficking is huge over there. Um, Now, it's said that he died in his sleep. But he's one more to add to the list, and when you put all these things together, you kind of start to paint a picture. Now, all these deaths, except for the ones that we know are murders, like the guy getting found in the back of his car and the woman getting executed with her dog, um, could be of natural causes. And there's, you know, when you go down the road of things like this, um, you gotta you gotta be really careful because when somebody has a loved one die. Um, And then people come out and start making these conspiracy theories about how they were connected with stuff, you know, like Alex Jones has done and stuff. It, It can be very offensive to the families and things. And that's why I'm so adamant in this episode when I'm talking about things like this to say this is all conjecture and all I can do is plot together little points of things that I have found. None of these people I'm claiming 100% are involved in any of this. When it comes to people like Bill Gates, fuck him. We know that he is involved with people like Jeffrey Epstein. So there is some people that we know are involved in things like this. But when it comes to like these CEOs and stuff, I don't know who they're involved with. I don't. They might have been just great people and died naturally in their sleep. We just find a lot of coincidences. And I... You know, to not question these things at all, I think, is even more disrespectful, in in my opinion, to not, especially when it comes to, like, Erin Valenti, where her family doesn't know what happened. And this, you know, this whole idea about the CTRL labs and this mind control thing, the first thing you find when you look into this and, and her connection with it is people talking about how that's disrespectful to her memory and to her family. But if I was her family and my daughter or wife or sister got murdered because she was trying to expose people doing disgusting things to children, I absolutely would want that known because that, that, you know, is very important. And and I think that she was, uh, if 
if this is what happened, again, I'm not saying this would happen, but if this is what happened, then she was doing a very great thing by trying to expose it. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I understand how these things can come across in the wrong way sometimes. And I also understand that I went down the road of the whole uh, coronavirus thing being a cover-up for something else. I'm not saying coronavirus was not a virus. Um, I am saying I do know that it got used for a lot of different political reasons. Um, that's just, just blatantly obvious on both sides of the fence, both parties, you know, just like came out with the whole um, lockdown files that I'll do an episode about at some point where, you know, public officials came out and said, what, how are we going to, you know, use this next variant? We have the people scared. We need to use this control right now. So I'm not saying that a virus never happened. I'm saying it was used in a lot of different ways. And this idea that it was used to cover up these disgusting uh, human trafficking rings that we also know are real things, I don't think is that far of a stretch. So again, this is all conjecture. This whole well, really, this whole show a lot of the times is just conjecture, but definitely in this episode because we don't know what happened. All we know for sure is this very successful and seemingly very great and nice CEO of a startup tech company, Aaron Valenti, went down to California to um, network with people and have a great time. And then she made a phone call talking about how we're all in the matrix and it's all just a thought experiment. And then she wound up dead in the back of the car with absolutely no cause behind it. So if you guys have any ideas about it, I would love to hear them. Reach out to me at Luke at StolenReality.com or go on to StolenReality.com and go underneath the contacts page and get a hold of me through there. I would love to know what you guys think about this whole subject. I will have links to way too many articles on my website, uh, but you can go through and read them all. You can, you know, maybe you'll find some stuff that I missed in there. Or um, like I said, you're going to find things being told a little bit differently depending on different news sources but that tends to happen uh, you know because a lot of journalists just read other journalists and it's a big game of telephone but I tried to stick as close to possible as what I what I put the whole picture together as and um, you know like I said a million times before I never claimed to be a hundred percent right in this show all I can do is is show you the things that I've found and give you guys some ideas to think about so I hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, this is a little bit different than what I usually do. This one's a little more true crime. But the fact that she said that we're living in the Matrix and everything's a big simulation, I thought kind of was along the lines of uh, this audience base. So who knows what was going on with it. Maybe she did just find out that that is what's going on. Maybe she just, just somehow realized that we're living in a simulation and, and uh, either got killed for it or didn't want to be a part of it. But let me know what you guys think. Go ahead and uh, you can leave those comments also on the Spotify app. And I hope you guys are having a great week. I hope you enjoyed this story. I will be back on Friday for a bit episode. I'm going to tell you guys the whole story of what actually happened in that rat experiment that I used for my Mindset Monday. Because like I said earlier, that Mindset Monday is true. That is what happened, but that's not what that experiment was actually about. He was trying to find out other very interesting things at that time. And then, you know, it's right back to the, right back to the normal schedule. Saturday, I'll be back for what a week. Next week, I will have a very fun interview for you guys. So be looking forward to that and i hope that you have a great rest of your work week thanks for tuning in everybody